I'm Robert Conti, Chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities are up in the district, and I need your help to reverse this trend. Seatbelt save lives and reduce the risk of death or injury. Click it or ticket. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random. Berto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you as usual today. Thank you so kindly, all of you, for being here. Welcome aboard, Bridge MCP, Bridge and Julie Van Ostel. Welcome aboard, Michael Rudnan. Welcome aboard. Hey, y'all. According to Bridge, did I miss somebody? I think I got you so far. My my earlier ons. Come on in. All right, Michael Rudnan, of course, gives us a little bit of instruction. The IRS is letting the rich get away with tax evasion by some estimates. Wealthiest 1% of Americans manage to avoid paying but a quarter trillion dollars of taxes every single year. Now new government data shows that audits of the super rich and large corporations have hit a new low, leaving billions of dollars of uncollected taxes at precisely a moment when lawmakers say new revenues needed to fund infrastructure. And climate investments, there have also been 55% drop in the number of audits of America's largest corporations. In 2012, almost all corporate giants were audited. In 2020, however, almost two-thirds of those corporations were not subject to audits. Corporations and the wealthy should shoulder the tax burden, not be allowed to avoid it. Corporations have the money and the power, so of course they don't pay. That all changes if sufficient numbers of people vote progressive absolutely so i agree 100 percent macrodin also says child tax credit payment distribution may be delayed irs chief warns expect that these will come no earlier than may and that they wouldn't be monthly democrats seem to be favoring a give them something better than nothing approach i'll predict republicans will be opposed to giving them the people those few scraps republicans invariably favor you'll get nothing and you'll like it obstructionism we need better than this, but not enough of the American people vote in primaries. We will if we do the job. That's why we have all these new programs coming online, Politics and Right and others. The idea is that we have to let people understand that they get something from being engaged. That is the reason why Democrats must outperform, not in, the, in, in 2021, uh, uh, 2022, the beginnings. We need to perform now. Because it takes a while for all this stuff to percolate into people's pockets so that they can see, so that they can see progress. Because they have to, they've been, since Reagan, they've been heard that hearing that government is the problem. Of course, they don't, they don't analyze that to say if government is the problem and if we the people is government, that means I am the problem. No, government is not the problem. It's the puppets or the puppeteers that's running the people who you elect, that's causing the problem. Biden and Democrats have a small window to do something positive for every American citizen so that they can see government working. And once they see government working, then they'll have a reason to take off from work, find a sitter for that baby, do all that is necessary to go out there and vote because they're investing in something that they have a an interest in, in something that the outcome is going to matter to them. For too long, the outcomes have not mattered to most Americans. Everything stayed the same as far as they're concerned. As far as they're concerned, everything stays the same because you can be so low at the totem pole 
that a little bit lower doesn't mean much. It just seems like an cons- inconsequential event. And that is, wh- <clears throat> that is why we must be effective. Last one. No, uh, let's see. Michael, hey, Michael, you filled me up today, buddy. Democrats unveil blue-green or Bill Green Infrastructure and Jobs Act. This is what I have been ta- waiting for, and it's underwhelming. And it's underwhelming. The necessary funding is a tenth what's required at bare bones minimum. You know, I haven't looked at that yet. Uh, Michael Rudman also says Biden's over under of for Paris climate goal, 50%. We were four years behind already. I would have said 50% is ridiculously over optimistic, but this is whether we get there by 2030. All right, let's see. Was reading the IRS tax story yesterday and was so pissed off. I didn't read it. I didn't read it. Okay, let's see. Michael Rudnan says, oh, she's talking to Bridge. Hello, Julie Van Astel. Eric Hayes. No, people running the country. Eric Hayes says, what story? Okay, all right. Let's go ahead and start our process of getting busy as soon as I bring up this other screen here. Please don't limit that. This is not the case. Please take a look at this. This is important. All right, let, let's get back there and uh, let me get to the screen here and then we'll be ready to get busy again. All right. Okay, 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 okay. okay. All right, what is the show going to be about today? What is the show going to be about today? Let me get it up on the screen and then we can talk about it. Here is the show today. GOP strategist to Dems. Kill filibuster, Fauci schools Rand Paul, MSM fail, and Texas price brutality. Okay, uh, let's see. There's a let's see. Iris tax evasion, uh, Rokana, Peter DeFacio. Oh, I didn't re- read that, Bridge. I, I think you want us to check that out. Macaroni Egberto, thanks for reading all of my posts in full. I try to assist, folks. I try to assist. When if you guys are going to spend the time to research stuff. If I feel that it, I, we have the time, shouldn't we, like, do it? Shouldn't we, like, do it? I think we should. All right. Okay. Continuing, my brothers. Continuing. Anyhow, today, program is, let's go ahead and start with Dr. Fauci. I really enjoyed watching this because it was not only instructive, it also showed how not very smart a senator Rand Paul, who supposedly some sort of a doctor, is. Check this out. Given that no scientific studies have shown significant numbers of reinfections of patients previously infected or previously vaccinated, what specific studies do you cite to argue that the public should be wearing masks well into 2022? I'm not sure I understand the connection of what you're saying about masks and reinfection. We're talking about people who have never been infected before. You're telling everybody to wear a mask, whether they've had an infection or a vaccine. What I'm saying is they have immunity and everybody agrees they have immunity. What studies do you have that people that have had the vaccine or have had the infection are spreading the infection? If we're not spreading the infection, isn't it just theater? No, it's not. You had the vaccine and you're wearing two masks. Isn't that theater? No, that's not. Here we go again with the theater. Let's get down to the facts. Okay, the studies that you quote from Crotty and Sete look at in vitro examination of memory immunity, which in their paper they specifically say this does not necessarily 
pertain to the actual protection. It's in vitro. And what study For, can you point to that shows significant let, reinfection? There are no studies that show just significant let, let, me, let me finish the response to your question, if you please. The other thing is that when you talk about reinfection and you don't keep in the concept of variance, that's an entirely different ball game. That's a good reason for a mask. In the South African study conducted by J&J, &J, they found that people who were infected with wild type and were exposed to the variant in South Africa, the 351, it was as if they had never been infected before. They had no protection. So when you talk about reinfection, you've got to make sure you're talking about wild type. I agree with you that you very likely would have protection from wild type for at least six months if point you're infected. The, but we in our country now have variants that are circulating. Significant reinfection. What study shows significant reinfection, hospitalization, and death? You're not hearing what I'm saying about variants. We're talking about wild type versus variants. And what, now, proof is there, what proof is there that there are significant reinfections with hospitalizations and death from the variants? None in our country. Zero. Well, because we don't have a prevalent of a variant yet. We're having one. Can I finish? We're having well, one one seven conjecture. that's becoming you're more dominant. Policy based on conjecture. No, you it, have the it isn't based that we're on conjecture. Variants, so you some you want people to wear a mask for another couple of years. No, you've been vaccinated and you parade around in two masks for show. No, you can't get it again. There's almost there's virtually zero percent chance you're going to get it, and yet you're telling people with them that have had the vaccine who have immunity. You're defying everything we know about immunity by telling people to wear a mask who've been vaccinated. No. Instead, you should be saying. There is no science to say we're going to have a problem from the large number of people being vaccinated. You want to get rid of vaccine hesitancy? Tell them they can quit wearing their mask after they get the vaccine. You want people to get the vaccine? Give them a reward instead of telling them that the nanny state's going to be there for three more years and you got to wear a mask forever. People don't want to hear it. There's no science behind it. Well, let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Masks are protective. And we you have ask immunity there, theater. If you already have immunity, you're wearing a mask to give comfort to others. Senator you're Paul, not you're wearing a mask because of like any sign. I, I totally disagree with you. If you could um, respond to the question so that we could all understand the difference between the vaccine and uh, controlling the wild type versus the variants that are out there and the reason for wearing a mask, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, yes. First of all, when you have a variant, you have an immunity that you get what's convalescent. Sarah, and the same sort of thing, if I vaccinate you or me against a wild type, you get a certain level of antibody that's specific for a particular viral strain. If there's a circulating variant, you don't necessarily have it. You have some spillover immunity, to be sure, but you diminish by anywhere from two to eightfold the protection. So the point I'm saying is that there are variants in now circulating. The point that Senator Paul was making was that if you look at wild type only, there is some clear-cut credence to what he's saying. But we are living right now in a situation where we're having a dominance of 117, which was the original UK. We have a very troublesome variant in New York City, a 526. We've got two variants in California, a 427, 429, and we have a number of others. So we're not dealing with a static situation of the same virus. That was the only point I'm making. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. 
Uh, Senator Murphy. Uh, thank you very much, Madam Chair. Dr. Fauci, thank you for setting an example. Thank you for setting an example. You know, what, what drives me crazy about uh, Rand Paul <clears throat> is that those people who are predisposed to say, we don't want the government telling us what to do, which means we don't want we the people as a, as a, as a, con as a collective telling me what to do. And the, here's the silly part, and it, it's hard to believe this guy was a scientist, uh, Rand Paul. He says that, Dr. that Fauci is wearing double masks for show. Here are the things that, and, and, and Fauci should have said something else that he didn't. It's not only about variants at all. Let me tell you what it's about. If you don't have the entire population vaccinated, and you are vaccinated, what we don't know for a fact is whether, as a vaccinated person, I am infected by the virus. I don't get the virus because my immune system is going to put up a wall against that virus. But if I cough with that virus in my system, can I transmit that virus, even though I won't get it, to somebody else? Until all those questions are answered or until all of us are vaccinated, it is silly what Rand Paul is saying, which says, oh, if you have ever had the virus, you can't get it again. First of all, you can't prove a negative, right? Because if it didn't happen, it just didn't happen. But the fact of the matter is you can be logical in what you think. In other words, when I am exposed to a whole bunch of people, if I'm infected, even though my body is going to fight that infection off completely in the long run, it, the mucos, my mucous membranes and all my different membranes will then uh, be eventually find a way to protect itself against that virus. But in the process, if I cough, if I touch somebody with my fluids, can I pass it along? We don't know. There's a good chance you could. Or, you know, and, and, and if it's to somebody who's not vaccinated, we haven't reached herd immunity, then that's an issue. Rand Paul is a menace to American society. And we have to start calling these things out for what they are. Those anti-vaxxers, those anti-maskers, those people are clear and present danger to society. And that is one of the reasons we have to go out there and tell the truth. And not only tell the truth, but... Ask all the people that we know, whether you want to believe something else or not, whatever. But just please wear the mask and wear it perfectly. Wear it perfectly. Okay, now let's continue uh, again. And uh, as I said, one of the issues we have right now, uh, the mainstream media was responsible for Donald Trump. Donald Trump brought them a lot of money, so they slapped Donald Trump, give him free publicity, and the clicks start to go on all the websites, and people's eyes get to the to the to the foolish tube, and all of that. So they didn't mind, you know. CBS, this leader of CBS, said at one time, Donald Trump is great, great, a great business model. He said that something to that effect because you put Donald Trump, but in the process, you're hurting Americans, right? Because he's doing wrong. Here's the deal. We thought the mainstream media had started to be measured in the way they covered issues. In other words, what Donald Trump did with immigrants, the way he treated them like animals, is completely different with 
the overflow that, that uh, Biden is taking care of. Obama had an overflow. Donald Trump had an overflow. Biden is having an overflow. It's, the, it's that time of the year, number one. And number two, because it's Biden there and not Trump, you're going to get a new wave that comes over. Why? Because they're going to say, it's dire straits here where we are, and maybe we can get some help in the United States. And that's not a bad thing, but it has to be done in an orderly manner. Why? Because I'm telling you, a lot of the problems that Central America is having is not only because of climate change. And by the way, who are one of the, uh, the biggest causers of climate change? We are. America is. Russia is. China is. Great Britain is. But all these other countries that have to suffer, suffer from the effects of climate change, we should have an open-door policy somehow to find a, a structured way to get them in, right? And it's not only that. If you follow... Central American uh, uh, political policy, etc. You notice that we are sort of responsible for a lot of the chaos down there. In fact, in Panama, we overthrew uh, um, we we, over, we we overthrew several governments and we we created chaos chaos out there. So we we bear some partial responsibility for that. But let's check out how Martha Raddatz did this interview. I thought it was unprofessional. I thought it was caustic. I thought. She had no intentions of listening to um, Alejandro Mallorca, Mallorcas. So let's take a look at it. They don't take it on the other side. Martha Radetz today showed the danger of the mainstream media when they're either trying to play uh, this one said, that one said, or when they're trying to change the narrative or when they're trying to be a part of the narrative. I want you to listen to how she handled the secretary and then we'll take it on the other side. I fought back tears as a 13-year-old girl sobbed uncontrollably, explaining through a translator how terrified she was having been separated from her grandmother and without her parents. Murphy said these are facilities you wouldn't want to put your child in for more than 10 minutes. I know you say you have a plan now, but again, how did this happen? We knew there was a pandemic before. HHS had failed to do this before as well under Obama. Under, under President Trump. So how do you speed this up and how did this happen? Martha, it takes time. We all know what happened to that 13-year-old girl in the prior administration. She was turned away and turned into the desert of Mexico or sent back to the very country from which she fled by reason of fear of persecution. We are addressing the needs of that uh, child now. Uh, when I say it takes time, I mean it because we're dealing with a dismantled system. And we did not have the ordinary, um, safe and just transition from one administration to another. And so we are executing on our plans. We have uh, dispatched FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Administration, to assist HHS in building additional capacity to address the needs of children and to move those children through to their sponsors in the United States to shelter them in the way that they deserve and that their needs require. That is what we are doing. Now, when people speak of, well, you knew of this, plans aren't made at 20,000 feet. Plans are contracts, personnel, policies, training, procedures, all of the elements of operations that were entirely dismantled. And 
taking care of a workforce that was not vaccinated. Mr. And not Mr. Secretary, I, Mr. Secretary I want to stop you there. And I want to know if you've got this great plan, why will you not let the media in? I, I understand privacy concerns, but will you let them in today or this week? Martha, it is not only privacy concerns. Let me be clear. We're in the midst of a pandemic. We're talking about a crowded border patrol station where we are focused on operations. At the same time, and let me assure you that we are working on a plan to provide access so that people could see what is going on in a border patrol station. And I would encourage people to also see um, a, a Department of Health and Human Services facility where the children are sheltered and where they belong and where we are moving them to. You talk about the Trump administration and what was in place there. You did away with that. Wouldn't it have been better to have a plan before you did away with that? We are executing the plan that we have. And let me share with you, because we will succeed. And when we look back at this time, however difficult it has been, we will get through it. We will get through it successfully. What we will all say is that we worked our way through a difficult time. We administered the laws as they were intended and we lived up to our values and our principles as a nation. And that is what we are accomplishing, and that is not what was done in the prior administration. It's tough, but we can do it. This is what we do, and we will accomplish our mission. You notice she just interrupted him, ignored what he is saying. He answered the question actually twice, and she simply ignored it because there's a message that she wanted to get across. Why are you dismantling what Donald Trump has done when you supposedly didn't have something uh, ready yet? If you have somebody killing somebody uh, and their policy is to kill, and you go ahead and say, I am going to allow them to continue killing until I have a perfect plan in place, does that make any sense? Absolutely not. You stop the killing as best you can and you move on from there. That is a Congress argument to what she's trying to make there. And what the, the secretary did, I think, very well. And what the way he ended, we are going to execute the laws of the United States through our values. In other words, we are not going to be the animal that was, the immoral animal that was our previous president. And I repeat, the level of immorality of that president, the lack of humanity of that president, the way that president allowed people of, allowed the other to be treated worse than the other. Joe Biden and no other president, Republican or Democrat, is likely to do something that evil because we were governed by somebody who had no soul. Somebody who had no conscience. Somebody who cared about nobody. About any. And interestingly, what we see happening is many people, because again, peer pressure followed him. But you know what? There are two ways. Anyway, uh, there, like I've said before, the way we're going to get around a lot of this is to show that government works and that government works well. And I think the Democrats are off at a good start to show that government can work, government can do good things, and government can make your life better. So let's go ahead and play why now to continue ensuring that government remains working 
why we need to end the filibuster. And even Republicans now are saying, those Republicans are crazy. We do need to end the filibuster. Here we go. When a Republican strategist tells you it is time to kill the filibuster, uh, what are Democrats waiting for? It's amazing. And check out the reasoning from this Republican strategist. I think we should take this and remind Democrats what Democrats stand for. Check this out, and then we'll take it on the other side. As to whether or not Democrats are actually asking them one of the most important questions, which is, what re- would Republicans do in this situation, right? If given the opportunity to do away with the filibuster in order to get their own legislation through, would they do it? And I can't help but think they would, right? So now you're hearing Chuck Schumer essentially saying he might be on board uh, to do away with the filibuster. Elizabeth Warren, of course, saying it's not what the founders intended. What do you think at the end of the day is actually going to benefit the Democrats most here, and what do you think will likely happen? Well, I do think that you're right as far as your assessment of the Republicans would do it. They would get rid of it to get their agenda through. They have very little doubt about it. And the the point of 60, and I, I was so for the filibuster. I thought it was one of the most important tools we had in government because 60 meant consensus. Now, getting to 60 is impossible. We're a 50-50 split country. Maybe, just maybe, Democrats could get one, two, three Republicans. And if the scenario was reversed, maybe one, two, three Democrats would go with the Republicans. We are stymied. We have used reconciliation for the Trump tax uh, credits or the tax, uh, I'm sorry, the Trump tax cuts and reconciliation for the Biden recovery plan. So that's the only way anything gets done. I am at the point where let's have that discussion. You know what? Democrats want to put through gun control, immigration. They will be held accountable at the voter booth. Same thing goes with Republicans. But here's the catch, and here's what Mitch McConnell's afraid of, that the issues, the majority of issues that I just talked about, the majority of the people are for those issues, want to see immigration reform. Mitch McConnell's about stopping it. They want to see gun control. Mitch McConnell's about stopping it. So go ahead. I think they should go have at it. I think they should go at ha, go do it. L- listen, first I want to correct one thing she said. She said this is a 50-50 country. This is an undemocratic 50-50 country because in governance, it's a 50-50 country. However, in what people want and who people vote for, it is a far cry from 50-50. It is definitely a more progressive uh, country than it is a conservative country based on popular vote, based on what people want. Unfortunately, our constitution is not a democratic document and allows uh, minority ruled when uh, minority lo- ruled when you owned more land ruled based on how it is structured. So let's just get that point together. But remember, the most important thing she said is that most of the issues, the policies that Mitch McConnell is scared about the Democrats passing. He's scared about them because it's what the majority of people want. And in effect, she's saying Republicans are there to support just what the minority wants, not what most Americans want. So therefore, there is never and will not be a penalty for getting rid of the filibuster. But one other issue 
The filibuster's instantiation was based on Jim Crow. In other words, slave masters, old slave masters wanted to ensure uh, old former slaves didn't get what's due them. And numero dos, it is not a constitutional mandate. So therefore, we are pegging ourselves onto this filibuster because the Senate is a deliberative body. When the instantiation of the filibuster had nothing to do with making the Senate deliberate, deliberate, but instead making the Senate a racist institution. Let's be clear here. There is no value. There is nothing worth. It was simply marketing that associated the filibuster with somehow deliberateness with filibuster, with order. The filibuster with securing that the minority is listened to. I'm Robert Conti, Chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities are up in the district, and I need your help to reverse this trend. Seatbelts save lives and reduce the risk of death or injury. Click it or ticket. Breaking up is hard to do, but when it comes to your wireless carrier, you should have left a while ago. You deserve better. Xfinity Mobile. Break free from the big three. Get unlimited with 5G included for $30 a month when you get four lines on Xfinity Mobile. Prices may vary and are subject to change. Reduce speeds at 20 gigabytes per line. That's hogwash. And it is time for Democrats to get the pelotas and do what is necessary to support what most Americans want now. Absolutely, folks. Okay, we're at the halfway part of the show, folks. Please remember, if you are on YouTube right now, please, please, please click that join button. Become a part of our posse. Uh, that is a PDR posse as named by British MCP. Uh, please join that posse. If you, if you do that right now and it comes up on the screen that you've, that you've uh, subscribed and you want me to, I'll go ahead and definitely, uh, like I did last week for a few people, put it out there on the screen. Folks, I'll uh, take a look at the cup that also goes along with our PDR Posse designed by Bridge MCP. And if you want to go ahead and purchase that cup as well, I'm going to put the link in there to get that cup. All these purchases at our store helps us continue to do what we do. So I take these two to three minutes out of this 60-minute show to say, folks, please help support us. Help support us. Click that join button on the screen. Click that dollar sign on the on the uh, for a, for a super chat or any one of those forms on YouTube or YouTube. You'll see a rack with our our T-shirts, our hoodies, and all that good stuff. But join the PDR Posse. Take a look at the screen, and you see those folks who've already joined and purchased cups. Check out those cups designed by one of you, one of our own designed the cups. There, I have I think three or four of you that have sent me pictures so far. A lot more. Go ahead and send me some pictures. By the way, folks, um, you see, the, uh, the, if you want to support us as well, go ahead and support us at politicsdoneright.com slash patron. Become one of our patrons. Patron is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can likewise support us via PayPal. That is politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal. Politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal. Uh, if you are not seeing that join button on YouTube or if you're on a different platform, please consider going to this link, which is politicsandright.com slash YouTube. politicsandright.com slash YouTube. How else can you support Politics Done Right? By buying our books. Our books written by yours truly. And I promise you, I promise you'll like it. The reviews at Amazon are very good. You can go ahead and get um, 
It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors. I put the, the Amazon link in there. When you go to that link, you'll see a lot of the other books that I, that I have as well. But guess what? You can also go directly to our store and get the book at our store. Why? Because that way we can cut out the middleman. And we make a few more dollars. We can do get a few more work. Hey, one of the reasons I need about two, three hundred more subscribers because I am going, I am dying, cutting videos, doing all these things, doing my research, all of that. Hours and hours. It's only me. Hours and hours. Sixteen hours a day, seven days a week. Seven days a week. I promise you, if you get, if you keep supporting us, we can actually get some help and even do a bit more because. Between writing for different papers, different 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 uh, websites, etc., it's difficult, but it's necessary because we have to make sure to put our part out there in the field. We have to do our part. Anyhow, I have a great uh, an interview with a couple of folks right now that I want to play. As you know, police brutality, and and by the way, this it's interesting because this particular guy that the police attack, I don't have a picture of the guy. Right now, but this time I think it's police brutality, and I think this time this guy was a white guy, but I'm not sure. Uh, I, I I think it is, but anyhow, check this out, and then we'll take it on the other side of the program. Welcome to another segment of Politics Done Right. You know, we've been going over several issues recently with police brutality in this country. I mean, uh, it is sort of many times out of hand. Well. I got an FYI this morning from the president of the uh, Houston Peace and Justice Center that uh, revealed a new case. Well, I don't know how new the case is, but I figured I better go ahead and do a little bit more about this. So uh, with us today, we have uh, Jeff Reese, who is the president of the Houston Peace and Justice Center, and Alberto Ruiz, who is the uh, lawyer for the person whose neck was broken. So, Jeff, why don't you tell me a little bit about the story and how you got involved with this story? Well, um, I don't know if you remember, there was a case that Randall Callan had of a young man that was taken from his truck on a traffic stop, and uh, basically his arm was almost broken, and he was brutalized and arrested for a Class C misdemeanor, and I was contacted by a, a young man and his girlfriend uh, of a very serious incident that happened in, in uh, Pinehurst, Texas. And uh, through finding out what happened, I contact, you know, I've, I've been in touch with his attorney, uh, Alberto Ruiz, and very thankfully, he's got a, a very good law firm that's helping him. So I'm going to, I want to be careful on what I say. Albert, can you, you want to comment and then kind of bring us up to snuff on what happened? Sure. And thank you for the opportunity to be here to share this information uh, with the community. Um, you know, my client, uh, Gary on January 19th, 2021. So this is pretty recent, um, was riding his motorcycle to his girlfriend's house. Uh, it was late in the evening. And, um, as he was on his way, he was passing, um, police who were, uh, doing a traffic stop. And, uh, you know, because they were doing the traffic stop on the side of the road, he kind of had to go around them and, um, and so in doing that, unbeknownst to him, the police started following him um, to pursue him so that they could stop him for, you know, I guess, uh, unauthorized, you know, kind of going around them and not really a proper charge. But either way, they didn't like that. And they followed him 
and they followed him all the way into the neighborhood where his girlfriend lives. And um, as he was tur turning left and turning right down the road, uh, he either sl slid and lost control because the, the road was a little bit wet or he was uh, hit from behind by the police cruiser. And as he was getting up from his bike was the first time he realized that police were behind him. And uh, as he got up, he raised his hands and said, hey, you know, what did I do? And pretty much without further inquiry, the police tased him. Uh, he fell back to the ground. Um, there was some, you know, communication about it between them, uh, you know, while he was trying to recover from being tased. And they didn't explain to him why he was stopped. They didn't, uh, you know, give him an opportunity to explain himself. They put him in handcuffs and um, they then lifted him off the ground. Uh, other officers arrived on the scene. They lifted him off the ground, all as a whole body, and they were going to throw him in the back of the car seat, kind of like sideways, like a log, you know? And in doing that, they slammed his head against the door frame of the police car and broke his neck. Um, they dropped him to the ground. Then they picked him up again the same way and then you know, bulldogged him back into the back of the, of the cruiser, face down, lying laterally in the back of the police car where he passed out. And the next thing he knows, Gary's waking up in an emergency room, um, not even, well, by this time it was, he was already in, he was already uh, had received emergency surgery on his neck and he woke up uh, to find out that uh, the doctors had to uh, correct uh, his practically paraplegic condition by fusing his neck vertebrae uh, in order to save his mobility. And since then, his life has never been the same. He'll probably never recover. I mean, he's a young 40-year-old man who was working, making $60,000 a year. Um, and now, you know, he, um, he'll never be able to work like that normally again. Uh, he's having a very difficult time. And we'd like the community support um, in this you know, um, search for justice. Now, is he, can he walk at all now or? Well, luckily and miraculously, the doctors uh, worked so quickly and effectively that they, that he is able to walk. He was pronounced paraplegic when he got to the hospital, but they were able to, for now he's able to walk, but he's so fragile that if, if the man falls or trips or, or gets hit the wrong way, he could potentially lose all, all loss. Of because the, the vertebrae, are, they're still healing right now. Correct. Now, what recourse, uh, what, what have they said about it? Have they taken responsibility for breaking his neck? Well, you know, according to the, to the rules, you know, in, in this type of a case, uh, um, Gary did timely file a complaint to the, <laughs> the Precinct 5 Montgomery County Police Department uh, Constable's Office, Precinct 5 Constable's Office. Uh, he filed the complaint against the officers. And, um, and so, you know, that they're supposed to then, the, the, the main constable is supposed to then follow up, reprimand, investigate, and figure out what to do about the situation. We have not heard any follow-up uh, since that complaint was filed about two weeks ago. And who pays all the medical bills which are going to be extensive for an injury of that type? 
Well, you know, that's that's the big question, right? Uh, and that's why there is a civil lawsuit because Gary, and I don't think very many people at all could cover that much medical bills. I mean, we're talking about um, major catastrophic neck surgery um, and the medical bills are gonna be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So at the moment, you know, uh, nobody's paying them. Uh, you know, we're trying to help him in the community. We're trying to get the community to support through his GoFundMe page, which we'll talk about in a second, to uh, get people to help him with those necessity um, expenses that he has. Uh, you know, he has to go for regular doctor's appointments. He has to get medication. He has to pay for the wheelchair and uh, a number of other, um, you know, medical needs that are ongoing. But ultimately, at the end of the day, he's going to be left with a medical bill well upwards of $100,000 and, you know, definitely more than that. But it's, no. it's going to be very expensive. And this is just because the police officers decided to follow somebody that they think came too close to them as he passed them when they were on another traffic stop. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what the criminal um, uh, indictments state themselves, that he was just he just went around them during while they were at a traffic stop. It, he never got cited for, you know, anything else. He got cited for um, um, evading arrest and for um, um, assaulting or harassing a police officer. Typical. Uh, that is a typical way that they get around it. Okay, now let, let's uh, go about eyewitnesses. Uh, uh, do, do they have dash cam at all? We have requested the dash cam and the body cam videos. Um, this is a this is a new case and it is fresh. So uh, th those are pending. We should be having those hopefully soon. And if and you know there's sometimes a battle to get those. So and eyewitnesses. We do have our eyewitnesses at least at least two definite eyewitnesses um, that are part of the community. And have they been uh, uh, what do you call that word uh, debriefed yet or? We have, with the help of the Houston Peace and Justice Center, uh, we have uh, got their statements and they've uh, promised to, to be available if, if needed for trial. Okay, now, uh, Jeff, you are uh, putting together, I think uh, on your own behalf, a, a Zoom call to bring some more awareness to this, is that correct? Yes, it's not on just my behalf, but actually the Greater Houston Coalition for Justice Cops and Communities, LULAC, and We the People Organize have also joined with us to help uh, Gary Berger in, in his case. Uh, Albert, I don't know if you mentioned the fact that the officer filed a protective order against Gary when he was in the hospital. And that was pretty sneaky and kind of cowardly. And I, I recognize that as a maneuver to try to you know, divert the blame of what they had done onto Gary. And that's a terrible thing. That, yeah, that, let me, let me it, stop you there because I want to ask the lawyer something now. Alberto, please tell me, why would a police officer ever attach such a, uh, a restraining order on uh, somebody that's in the hospital with a broken neck? Well, you know, clearly a restraining order is a protective order uh, is another word for it. Uh, is something that's used to protect someone against potential violence or danger uh, to themselves or others in their family. And, you know, uh, in this case, however, 
as you stated earlier, you know, we believe that it's just a, um, a tactic that the police officer used to try to cover himself uh, for the eventual um, attack on his credibility uh, and on the basis for him having injured the defendant so badly. So, now, in that protective order, what is what is he trying to be protected against? What is he saying? The threats of what violence. Is his, what is his fear? Right. Well, his 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 fear is 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 retribution. That uh, you know, a, a guy with a broken neck somehow is going to go after him. You know, <laughs> and um, it's just it's really unfortunate. You know, uh, it's the kind of thing that we continue to see with police officers. Uh, utilizing their authority to uh, protect themselves from accountability. That's really the issue that we face in the whole nation. You know, uh, officers having uh, the uh, immunity clause and uh, different protections that have, you know, prevented regular citizens from protecting their rights and recovering for their injuries. Um, it's amazing to me, but I just think that something needs to be done to make sure that in this case, we can show the example of just how far the police are, are willing to go. I don't think there's a lot of police brutality cases where the police have asked for a protective order. I know that that is, that is simply funny. Uh, now, I mean, we have to bring back the police to remember that they are there to protect us and not the other way around. They have their own institutions as if the police is something within itself. They are there for us. It's hard to understand how we get police unions and all these kinds of things that, that are there to pro protect the interests of cops and not the interests of the people. Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you intend to do with the Zoom call? And also if you want to mention about the GoFundMe. I'm Robert Conti, Chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities are up in the district and I need your help to reverse this trend. Seatbelt save lives and reduce the risk of death or injury. Click it or ticket. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Yes, that's the main reason uh, that we were doing this Zoom is to generate um, publicity of what's really going on in this case and to help Gary with his medical bills and, and his legal bills, too. Um, he's, he's lucky he's got a good law firm that's helping him, but he's still facing a very uphill battle. Um, I think they had only raised like $600. I mean, the last time I checked. Right. So, I'm going uh, to put the link in there, uh, Jeff. So why don't you tell us how we can uh, get to the Zoom? I think the Zoom is tomorrow. Yes, the, the Zoom is tomorrow at 7.15. And uh, yeah, we're sending, yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll send a link out if that's okay. I, I've sent a, an invitation out to many different organizations to help us in, in this endeavor and to help us fight the overall systemic problem of police abuse. And it doesn't get, in my mind, worse than this case right here. And look. So, yeah, and it's the, the bad thing is we're talking Pinehurst, Texas, 
Uh, Montgomery County, it's it's a very conservative area, and a lot of people, they have a bias to, for the police, that law enforcement is going to be there to protect them. And I had a, a discussion with someone just last night, the same individual who is very pro-police almost was arrested after he sold his truck, and someone used his truck to commit a crime. And it was a serious crime of a bubblegum machine being stolen, but it turned into a felony. And the agency was a smaller agency, and they so they they asked my this individual to come down to the station. So when I was asked what to do, I said, "No, you don't go to the station. You get an attorney. Then right. you go to the station." And sure enough, he got an attorney. He went down there, and they tried to arrest him, even though he had nothing to do with it. They had a video camera of the actual perpetrator. They didn't care. They were going to arrest this man who had sold his truck for that crime. And um, there's a young man named Anthony Graves. I don't know. He's with Texas Southern University Forensic Institute now. He spent 23 years on death row. I know him. He didn't come in. I know him well. I interviewed him before. Yeah. yeah. But, Jeff, we got to go here. So uh, real quickly, um, give me a, a quick one short closer that, we, that our audience need to know, and then I'll ask the same of Alberto Ruiz. And we need to stand together and, and fight fight the, the fight the, the battle, if you will, and stand up for what's right. And, uh, you know, what's wrong, we need to stand against that. So. Thank you very much, uh, Jeff. Alberto? We invite the community and the public to join us at, on our Zoom meeting. Uh, it's just a coalition meeting to inform the community of what's going on tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. And we ask that you get on that GoFundMe page and donate to Gary for his, uh, his special needs. And we hope that we can count on your support. Look, guys, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Alberto, for, uh, for being on the program. I think uh, this is how uh, things that a lot of times the mainstream media doesn't cover requires that we actually take active control and do it. Thank you guys both for being here on Politics and Right. Thank, thank you. you. Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, anyhow, uh, I want to go ahead at first and salute all our people. E2247, welcome aboard. Michael Rudman, welcome aboard. Christine Park in Pinehurst. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it occurred in Pinehurst, Christine. Uh, let's see who else is here. Michael Rudden, I got you going up the ladder, going up the ladder. I'm climbing up the ladder. Courtney, the SLP. Courtney, what does SLP stand for? I don't know. Okay, Bridge MCP, I think I got you. Kathy Pascal, welcome aboard. Courtney, the SLP. Again, Broken Heart, what is Gary's last name? It's on the GoFundMe. I can't remember it right now. Um... Let's see, Eric Hayes, welcome aboard. Please get rid of the dinging. What's the dinging? Oh, come on, guy. These guys are working. They, they're working and they're getting calls. I can't, be, I can't do things like that. Come on now. Be, be patient and be empathetic. All right, let's continue going up the stream. Norman Reynolds says, yes, but the criminalization of incarceration standards were instituted under Clinton. Actually, that is very true. A lot of people's hands are dirty in, in putting away all those people that shouldn't have been put away. All right, going up. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Paul Fleming from ATL checking in. You are late, Paul. You are late, Paul. But, you know, I love you, brother. Come on in. Uh, let's see. AVQ, welcome aboard. Eric Hayes, I think I contacted you already. Charlie Lindahl, one of my great guys out here in the Houston area who got so much done in activism. And you know what? He's also technical activism. In other words, he works with people. He, he teaches them how to use technology, how to build technology. Carl Foster, 
Welcome aboard. Democrats used to stand for the small guy in the streets. Now they stand for big tech and power and riches. So sad. Um, Carl, you know I'm not going to argue about that with you, right? And let me tell you why. Because a good part of what you said is correct. But the thing about it is the Democratic Party is a big tent. There's a progressive wing that doesn't believe in what you just said. But then there's the establishment, which I always say it's the same establishment of the Republican Party because they have the same donors, the same supporters, and they're protecting the same wealthy, rich people to ensure that, well, we get a little bit. You know, with the Democrats, the establishment, we get some, the rich get most. With the Republicans right now in its current instantiation, the rich get almost everything. And we all fight for the scraps. And they use all the isms to have us fight each other for the scraps. We won't do that here. We love everybody here. And we're going to tell everybody, whether you're ideologically symbiotic or not, let's work together permanently. Not just for a cause. We work together permanently. We share the country permanently. We work together permanently. We agree to disagree where we must. But let's get busy. All right, let's see who else is here. All right, going up the ladder, going up the ladder. Mark Smith, you made it in, Mark, from London. Come on up. Let's see who else is here. Para ver quién más está aquí. Jessica Taylor, welcome aboard, welcome aboard. I don't know what your link is about, but I'll try it out a little later. Jessica, thank you for being here. Uh, let's see, who else is here? C- climbing up. Squido. What kind of name is Squido? What kind of name is Squido? You got to tell me something about that name, Squido. Throw it in the chat. All right, let's see. Coming up, going 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 up. Jessica Taylor back in here again in the list. Okay. Julie Van Osdell. How you doing, Bill Julie? Welcome aboard. And I'm almost at the top, I think. I'm almost at the top. I'm almost at the top. Let's go back to the bottom to see if I have anybody else to salute. Paul Fleming says, like our host say, I am out. Back to the yard. I love that. Roberto Luis, mi panameño favorito. Welcome aboard, my brother. Roberto is here. Michael Rodden says, this might be a worthwhile topic for tomorrow. Tennessee Republican lawmakers work to remove commission after members voted. T- I saw that piece. I actually saw it. Where there's this woman fighting to get that bust removed from the state capitol. Uh, you know, I- I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I want to waste the time on that kind of issues. I, you know, I mean, I, I think sometimes they keep us in a permanent state of being pissed off in order to, how should I say this correctly? I think they keep us in a permanent state of being pissed off just so that they can really do certain things to us. But we'll see. We'll see. Anyhow, people, we are coming close to the end of the show. I want to thank you so kindly for being a part I want you to remember that we can make a difference. And you know how I end this, baby. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And I am what? What am I? Out.
and it'll happen. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. 150 years of Children's National Hospital. 150 years of groundbreaking research, of exceptional health care for kids, of helping families like mine and yours. 150 years stronger with your help. Please give today. Visit childrensnational.org slash 150 years. That's childrensnational.org slash 150 years. Now serving F-27 at DMV window number 16. Okay, Rose, we're second in line. Perfect, Rose. You remembered the birth certificate? Yes, and we have our electric bill. Excellent. We'll be Real ID ready in no time. Real ID ready to visit our grandson, Ricky, at Fort Bragg. Then fly to New Orleans for Jazz Fest. Pardon me, are you talking to yourself? <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess I am. Talk yourself into Real ID readiness by May 3rd, 2023. Make a plan at dhs.gov slash Real ID.